Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business for another week. Do you know what? We are closing in on the 100th episode. It's only a few short episodes away, and I'm pleased to announce that we have our guest all lined up. But of course, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I think it's going to be a big interview. So um, I hope you are all looking forward to that and we'll be tuning in when that launches very, very soon. But today we have Lisa Cumes on the show. Now, this is someone I have known for some time. I met her when I went to Brendan Burchard's Influencer Conference last year. And it's one of those serendipitous moments where you kind of look around a room of 2,000 people and you're trying to work out where you're going to sit so you can kind of take on all the great speakers and, of course, meet some interesting people. And Lisa happens to be one of those. So we kind of just locked eyes across the room and thought, hey, you, know, you look a bit interesting. I know what you do, etc. Anyway, the rest is history. Lisa is a freelance copywriter and she is a story brand guide. Now, I talk a lot about story brand, uh, Donald Miller's concept of the hero's journey, because it's such a powerful way for you to build your narrative around your business. So today, Lisa and I are going to get into what that really is and how powerful it can be. But Lisa isn't only a copywriter. She's also built a six-figure business from freelancing over the past two years. And she has shifted and scaled her business by bringing on a team of other copywriters to help more businesses and personal brands simplify their message and launch their mission. So she has a passion, actually, for helping all freelancers stop hustling and start building thriving full-time businesses. And you know what? There is no better time right now than to be considering that as we kind of go through COVID. And I know a lot of people are actually thinking again about what their career should be and, and whether they should be making some changes. She's also a mum of three kids. So she has to navigate mummy guilt, as she calls it, um, being productive, working from home and coaching other freelancers through the copywriter coach with online courses, coaching and free webinars. So Lisa is an absolute powerhouse. She's also part of a group that I'm involved in called M1. It's part of Rock Thomas's mastermind group. And she's actually in my pod. So every week we get to spend some time together. So I know her very, very well. So it's an absolute delight to have Lisa on Scale Up Your Business. And I'm sure you are going to get a lot out of this conversation. So welcome, Lisa Humes. Hi, everybody. It's Nick here. and Welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. So this week we are back. It's kind of a hybrid one this week. It's entrepreneur in focus. So I have an amazing entrepreneur on the show. But we're also going to get into a little bit more of the mechanics of what she is a specialist in. So I'm glad to have on the show Lisa Cumes. Now, Lisa is a freelance copywriter. She's also a story brand guide. And, and most of you know, I talk about story brands a lot as one of the, the key things in scale up, having a great story behind your business and your brand. She's built a six figure online copywriting business over the last couple of years. 
And she's shifted and pivoted recently and she's scaling her own business by bringing in a team of other copywriters to help more businesses and personal brands simplify their message and launch their mission. So Lisa, welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Oh, Nick, I'm super excited about today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. No problem. Now, we have to share something. Let's share a couple of things. So we, we met. Okay. Let's talk about where we met. Yeah. Um, actually, you, you can, you're the guest. How did we meet? Oh, I'll tell the story. <laughs> I remember it very vividly. It's, it's one of those moments where like, it all unfolded in front of us. We were at the Influencer Conference in San Diego, which is the Brendan Bruchard event, uh, helping people actually promote their own personal brand. If we want to be honest, Influencer was about how you use your own brand to influence other people in a positive way. And uh, we're waiting outside for the doors to open. The doors open and just like any big event, you know, those uh, A-type personalities, you know, hurry in and get the best seats. Yep. And Nick was sitting in the best seat on the corner, this, you know, and he was just standing there like, I'm ready. And there was two seats next to him and I eyed him and I said, I want to sit next to him. And so I walked right up and I was like, hi, I'm Lisa and I'm sitting next to you. And you're like, great, I'm Nick. And that's how it started. And uh, it was very straightforward. And actually from that point on, we just like chatted through most of the session. I think We did. We did. In fact, it was quite funny because there was a whole heap of really cool guests in that, in that sort of event, but we, we chatted quite a lot. And then kind of interestingly, so I'll jump in a little bit on this. So we um, ended up kind of hanging out a bit over those few days. There were a few people there I was involved with. Um, Rock Thomas who'd been on Scale Up Your Business. So a lot of the listeners know who he is. And then we ended up uh, joining a tribe together, a mastermind group called M1. And what's fascinating, just for again, for all the listeners, I talk a lot about you've sometimes got to get into a different room, into a different environment mm -hmm. to meet interesting people, people who can kind of add value to what you're trying to do with your life and your mission. And this is one of those examples, isn't it? Because... Since then, you've kind of helped me with my business in terms of the copywriting and the brand stuff. And uh, we'll probably talk a bit about your business today in terms of scale up. So, so I'm very grateful for you for that. Well, just on that note, yeah, I walked into that room and uh, every time we had a little pod break or whatever at that conference, you were supposed to ask the people in your group, tell me one thing you need. And I said, do you know anybody who runs a mastermind? I am at this event to find a mastermind to join. I've never been in one and I'd like to be in one. And literally I sat next to Nick who said, I'm in a mastermind and we're, you know, have open membership. And I was like, I'm in, like, I didn't even care. I manifested a mastermind out of that. And it's been a great, uh, great ride since then. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, great. So that's a bit of context for everybody today. And we're going to get into quite a few different things, but you know what, what I like to do with the, um, the guests that come on is I like people to know a little bit more about them. So if you're comfortable, can you share your story, kind of your journey to what you do now and why you do it? And obviously what's coming next as well would be quite cool as well. Sure. Thank you. Um, I have a little bit of a gypsy heart. I've traveled um, a bit and kind of moved around. I've grew up in the States, but went and lived in Australia for 10 years and got really involved in the startup ecosystem there cool. and loving meeting entrepreneurs and I'm very much a person that is kind of like, throw it all at me, I'll figure it out. I'm an executor, like let's, let's just get it happening. I work with a lot of visionary leaders as their kind of number two person to help them kind of move things along. Um, all the while I've been raising three kids. And so I've really always had an identity crisis between being the stay at home mom that worked on the side but inside knowing I'm an entrepreneur, I have my own you know, business um, vision and being able to build really a successful freelance business under the constraints, I'll call it that, of being a parent and of, of staying home. And as much as I could look back and say, man, that really held me back. If I'm to be honest, 
being a mom and having ba- like boundaries and really kind of these guardrails allowed me to build something really amazing within the boundaries that I had. And so um, we moved to the States about seven years ago, live in LA and started working immediately uh, like as a freelancer, um, helping different businesses online. And it was about the last three years that I started full-time as a copywriter. I'm kind of making the journey go a little bit fast here, but three years ago is when I, I left um, working for somebody else and decided this is it. I can do this on my own. I'm going to run my own thing. Um, scared as hell, <laughs> but I still did it. And I took the leap. And I, I remember that that is probably one of the most proudest moments of my life was taking the leap of leaving like full-time employment to run my own thing. And kind of from the end of my kitchen table and in the first year grew it to six figures. Didn't even really know it until I lifted my head up at the end of the year. I was like, oh my God, this is like a thing. I am not just a work from home side you know, gig hustling you know, freelancer. I actually have a business here. And that's when, that's when I got serious. And that's how it started to grow. Yeah. So you know what's funny about that? So I know a little bit of that story from our previous conversations, but you're a humble person, Lisa. And there's a lot of things that just end up sounding like they're surprises. <laughs> but then I know that obviously even through, obviously we're recording this, it's kind of, I'm going to say it's the end of the COVID situation, but it's kind of looking like there's a bit more positivity in the world. It's starting to lift up and you've had a pretty successful time. I mean, every time I've spoken to you in the last few weeks, business for you has been good. It has uh, totally surprised us. I will be honest. I can be very optimistic, but inside I'm always kind of this underlying waiting for it to all fall apart. It's one of the limiting beliefs that probably maybe, maybe most entrepreneurs have in their early journey. They wake up and go, man, today's the day they're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. Right. But um, when COVID hit immediately, I told my team, I was like, Hey guys, just so you know, like we might kind of like, you, if we might dip a little bit, you guys are going to be okay. We're still going to make it work. I had that kind of conversation with my team. And funny enough, I cannot believe in those three months, we were busier than we've ever been. We had our record months. Um, we had to turn people away. The, the copywriters like, please give us a break. But smart business people know that when there's a, a downtime or even a downturn in the market, that is the moment to shift your resources to building, training, growing, vamping your marketing, whatever it may be. And we worked with some of the top. That's, so I loved about the people we worked with at that time. They were not uh, desperate. They were not fearful. They were not scarce mindset. They were actually like, this is perfect. Now I have time to focus on it. So we did some really amazing Powerful. work in the last three So months. everyone who's listening, mm-hmm. if you had a book underline, you know, that first part of what Lisa was saying there, which is, you know, people who, who kind of invest in themselves, invest in their business when there's a downturn are the ones that, you know, make hay, get the slingshot yes. back that happens later on. So funny. So I've been, it's funny. People have asked me, right. They've said, what, what should I spend my money on? You know, right now, you know, if I was going to invest in anything and I say, spend it on marketing and spend it on product development. Okay. And there's different nuances to that. So it's not just a generic statement, but what I'm finding is the businesses that have done that I've got one client who created a product almost out of nothing at the beginning of COVID because he listened to his market and he spoke to his customers he had the best quarter he's had in three years through COVID, right? And the market, yeah. you know, it's amazing, right? And I know exactly what he did. He, he got out of his head. He, he invested, uh, not a stupid amount of money, but enough to be able yeah. to, you know, certainly more than most people. And he's got the result. So it's a huge, powerful lesson for people to hear that. If you do not operate out of fear, 
if you do not kind of follow the trends, if you can kind of block out some of the noise, even though you're feeling fearful, because I think people will still have to move through the fear um, or uncertainty. Let's put it that way. It's uncertainty. Um, I did the same thing, not to, not to sway the conversation, but um, when the, the, I thought the copywriting business would drop down, I said, this is the perfect time to spin up the other idea that I have, which is how do I teach people how to earn money from home as a freelancer? Like basically I had enough people say, Lisa, how did you do it? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'll show you. And so the copywriter coach, which is like a coaching course, you know, based on my experience, we spun that up, assuming that this one will go down. Well, little did we know they both went up at the same time and it's been a crazy three months. I literally was like grasping for air. It's a great problem to have, but as Nick knows, it's still a problem. It's still. And so when you get into that point and you're so squeezed with your time and everything, it has caused us to have to shed a bunch of stuff that just was not important, not needed and really triage our time so that both brands could be um, growing at the same time. So the thing, the thing that's interesting, right, about all of that is, is uh, every, lots of people come on this show and they talk about entrepreneurship and uh, as if there's this kind of panacea that there's an easy road on, in entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, oh, there's obviously a part where it becomes easy. The thing about entrepreneurship is it's never that, right? It's not an easy road. It, it's the highs and the lows. It's the roller coaster. Sometimes the highs are amazing, but the lows can be equally. But to be frank, it never, ever gets easy. <laughs> You've just gonna... Well, unless, yeah, unless you plateau and decide, hey, I'm, I'm comfortable here, right? And then I don't know that you, you're, you're really exhibiting your entrepreneur, you're that, not using your entrepreneurial thing. skills. Because plateau is funny, right? I mean, sorry to jump in, but my last um, yeah. podcast episode was on this particular thing. I've got clients who have been plateauing for three or four years. And you know what's fascinating about it is when COVID hit, some of them, they, they closed. Yeah. Because plateauing, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So yeah. it's one of those pieces. Let's let's talk about a couple of different things. So sure. I want to talk about um, what you've done in the last three months because I think I think you've you've followed an interesting playbook here which you probably don't even identify with directly. I mean, I'm sure there are some parts that you do, there are others you don't. So I want to play with that. I do want to talk about story brands because I think that's going to be very useful to listeners. And then when in there, I want to talk about where you're taking your business going forward. So if we want to play in those areas, you're happy to do that. Yes, those all sound all right, great. Thank fun. you. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. So let's get into, let's start with the, the, the most recent stuff. So you, you said, and again, your very humble uh, way about, you know, oh, this happened and, you know, two, two businesses and yeah, blah, blah. Take us through it. So what, what have you created here and how have you done it? Because you've done something. Here's quite the thing. Yeah. Here, I do follow the, um, the kind of mindset that when somebody asks you for something and puts money behind it, you need to listen and go, oh, somebody's willing to pay for this. So when I started really sharing with people at the end of last year, when I was looking for more people to add to my team and I was like interviewing people, um, I had a bunch of people say, how did you do it? Can I pay you to coach me? And I remember the aha moment that I was like, Oh my God, this is the thing. Like when this takes one, because there's other people that would do it, but maybe they couldn't verbalize it. And somebody I really respected said, can I pay you to coach me? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I would love that more than life itself. If all I got to do is like coach people on how to do what I do. Right. Cause that is my heart is to really help other, whether it's men or women, but just create businesses on their own. And so, um, that birthed an idea. And when you open yourself up, like the first time you like crack the door to like a new room, I kept it as wide open as I could to bring like all the ideas in. 
And the more I put that out there, people were like, I would pay for that. I would pay for that. And I was like, Lisa, this is a thing. Like, come on, put it together. And in fact, as fast as I could put it together is as fast as it went out the door. And the last, the last couple of weeks, I've had people have paid for the course and the coaching come to me and say, literally, how can I give you more money to coach me better, even more? I'm like, you just bought the course in coaching. They're like, yeah, I want private coaching with you. So now I'm like, okay, well, we need a mastermind of, of a level of people that want to invest 10 or $20,000 to coach with me. I'm listening. That's what I would tell people is like, listen to what your customers are asking for. And it's either, oh, I don't have time for that. Or that's not what I do. Or who, who am I to do that? I'm like, I don't know. If one person voices it, it means there's other people out there that will be willing to do it. Yeah. Okay. So there's an important lesson there. And you said it like listening to your customers, listening to the market, because there's, there's an underlying piece to this too, that like a growth mindset um, allows you the ability to see things that are probably in front of you anyway. Whereas if you've got a closed mindset, then quite often those things are there. You're just not in the right space to be able to see them or to be able to do something about it. Well, and if you're too black and white or precious about your business. So I have a copywriting agency. It's not even a business anymore. Like it's a full blown agency. We do all kinds of things. We help people clarify their message, put words on a website, build websites. And, and by any like means of people looking at that, that's going to be a million dollar business on its own. Like what in the world would you think? So like start something over here. I believe that you really need to find out what lights you up. What is the thing that is going to sustain you? What is going to fulfill you? And the, obviously the coaching, I mean, you can see me light up when I talk about it. it is really my purpose. Um, and so being clever on how to, to build both of them and to not just like let one go and like focus on the other. Like my big shift, Nick, has been how do you become, I don't know, like a CEO? How do you run more than one business? That is how I'm scaling my brain, my belief system, my skill set. That is where I'm learning to, to grow. Okay, well, let's play with that. Let's have some fun with that because it's a great question. So, yeah. so if I said to you, um, looking back from three years out, the best three years of your life and where you are today, what needs to have happened or what would have happened? I have built a team of people that I have empowered, trained, taught culture to. Like, I believe that is the, there's two components to that. I am a team person. Like I have realized after from going solo, when I first got my first two team members, like I lit up, I was like, this is it. I want to share this fun with people. Like I want to teach people to do this on their own. Like, so I know that any component of success going forward requires a team. That's, that's the very first thing. The second is committing to doing what you love to do. So it makes sense to stay over here working on a business that's making money, but my heart says you want to be over here. And so I am going to, by taking that little bit of risk, maybe going against the flow, maybe whatever. So building a team and following my heart. I know that sounds so very unbusinessy, no, no. but that I think is going to be the things that are going to bring success in the next three years. There are three parts to business success in my, in my world of scale up. And they are what we okay. call uh, mindset, which we talked about skill set. So how you do the mechanics and heart set and heart set is, the one that people kind of struggle with, but it's actually, it's actually the, you know, when you talk about the art and the science of business, it's the art mm -hmm. because it's all about culture. It's about your personal values. And most importantly, it's about leadership. If I, when I talk about this, so one of the things that I think helps me 
find good people and move faster is by planting seeds along the way. So that by the time I announce what I'm doing, everyone's like, yeah, of course, you've been talking about this for six months now and we're already behind you. I never say I'm doing this. I'm like, this is my thoughts. What do you think? Like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just had one call with my team today, somebody on my team and spelled it all out to get some feedback. The reason why I'm saying all this is when you share your heart and you bring people along in the vision, she's not, she's not buying into this because she's going to make more money. One of my copywriters. She's buying into it because she saw my heart for what we're doing. She's like, I want that. I'm following that, not the opportunity to make more money. So I agree with you that by me being able to articulate what's in my heart, the culture, the purpose, the vision behind it, we're going to figure out the skill set and, and mechanics behind it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. The best, the best businesses, the ones that are valuable um, in terms of their performance, and there's different ways of valuing that, but also the ones that are sustainable. And as you know, the ones that I've kind of had the privilege of selling to private equity or to other people and they've, they've, they've done amazing things. It's not just about the money, but money is a metric of value, mm -hmm. right? So the more value you add mm -hmm. to other people, you get rewarded in ways. And one of those ways is money. But it absolutely comes down to um, leadership and identity. And that is about, you know, value standards, beliefs, behaviors. And what you've, what you've articulated there is quite important. Again, I want to I want to emphasize what you've said for the listeners, because a lot of people forget that stuff. They kind of think, oh, culture is not important, and how I show up isn't really that important because you know you're here to do your job. But it's it's actually more important than the strategy in most cases. I agree. I so on the other side of, of the, the the copywriting business, I work with clients all the time that have, either have a new idea or you know they're putting a new market a product in the market, or whatever. And we always start talking about their their vision and the mission behind it and all this stuff. Man, there's a few of them that are like, oh, there's a hole in the market. I'm selling an e-commerce product and we're just putting it out there because it'll sell really well. And I'm like, whoops, end of conversation. Like there's nothing behind it. It's like this is an opportunity to make money. And I get it. I'm not saying, but if you could also tie in some purpose, right? Some, some actually forward vision on it besides, Hey, let's make a quick dollar. I think that you're going to be able to, here's where it matters. If you're doing it on your own, throwing it up on a website, that's fine. But if you have to get people to buy in, if you have to get people to lead when you're not there, if you had to get people to lead other people, I think you have to have some sort of depth to it to really sustain that and grow. My biggest name, here's my biggest, I don't even call it a fear. What happens when I'm one level removed from my people? Okay. Meaning I know there's a level of like my leadership, but then as I'm, we're going to talk about where the business is going, it's going to a level where there's going to be another two levels below it of people that are really not going to have access to me and they they'll see me and I'll be part of them, but I'm not going to have the same that I'm like, Ooh, I haven't done that one yet. How do I maintain culture and vision and connection to people that are really not technically connected to me? Okay. Well, that, that's an area I think we'll play with um, a little bit later. Cause that'd be fun. Cause I think we'll help okay. you as well. All right. I want to talk a little bit now just about story brands. So less about what you've done. I think everyone's got a good sense of who you are and it's a great story and it's a really powerful, um, you know, great, great journey really. Cause, cause the journey through scale up is often one of, of loneliness and it's one often one of, of, you know, lots of self-reflection and, and actually what you've done really well is navigated that in a very precise way, which is cool. doesn't mean it's going to be easy for the rest of it, but for now it's, it's been a great ride. So story brands. So just let's, let's unpack this. I talk about it. You're the expert in this. Let's, let's talk about what it is, why it's important and, your thoughts on why businesses need to at least adopt some of the principles and thinking behind what it is. 
So story brand is a framework for writing words that sell. Copywriting is basically words that sell. If you're writing uh, blog posts or social media or things like that, that's content. Copywriting is short, it has a hook, and it moves people from, from where they are to where you want them to be. And hopefully that's to make a decision or make a purchase. So um, having a framework for your copywriting allows you to be able to understand where your customer's at and where you want them to go. So just think about the words, story, story brand. It is based on the, the um, archetype or the architecture of the hero's journey. And that is a very classic story, whether it's a movie or a novel. I always like to talk about, you know, Yoda and Luke Skywalker or Neo and Morpheus. Um, you know, you have a hero or you have a character and that's, uh, let's say, Luke Skywalker, who has trouble, who's broken, who's lost, who needs a guide. Um, and Yoda shows up and he's the guide. So as you position yourself, and this is where I'll switch over because it's really important. Oftentimes, if you are selling yourself, and, and Nick, in, in your case, as you built a, a personal brand on you as a coach, a speaker, a podcaster, an author, all these things, it's really hard to not be the hero because, my God, you are the hero to some people. And on your website, you're like, there he is. I want to be like him. But if, if you're not careful and it's all about you, your, your ideal audience won't connect with you. And so what we did when we worked with StoryBrand is we did not tell your story. We told a story that invited your ideal customer into a story that they could see themselves in. And that's where StoryBrand is really powerful. Everybody wakes up uh, every day in their own life and imagines themselves as a winner or how can I succeed today? We are so self-absorbed. We are so self-focused. And here's the thing, good marketing people already know that. So why not go with the flow? Instead of trying to get people to not think about themselves, let's just tap into the fact that they already do think about themselves. So in a practical term, it means when you're on a website, we don't use words like our clients, our work, our vision, our mission, our team. My God, it's all about you. We don't need to talk about us, us, us all the time. There's definitely a little section where you want to talk about how you understand the challenges they're going through. You've been through it yourself. You're an authority because you've been in the business 25 years. It's a very small part. It's interesting that people don't need to be sold that you are the expert. They need to be sold that you understand the problem that they're facing. And if you can connect on that level, literally people don't need the details of how you're going to help them. They just want to know that you understand and you can help them. So that's where story brand is really powerful. It removes a lot of the noise, the confusion, the overwhelm on copywriting or websites and really gets to the point. It sounds so obvious, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the be. thing I like about it is the simplicity of it. I love the simplicity of it because particularly the connection with, um, you know, some of the greatest movies of all, of all time follow that, that template, don't they? Because people like to see, let's call it the transformation, however the transformation happens. You know, so the guide's yeah. there, but the guide's kind of in the background. It's an important part of it, but it's just seeing this person go through the struggle and then come out in a place where they're significantly better. And I love that. I think everyone loves yeah. that. It's kind of the story of yeah. life, really, isn't it? You always want to be selling the aspirational identity. You always want to be talking about where the person, you know, your ideal customer wants to go. And then you need to bring in just a little bit that says, we know what's holding you back. 
this is what's getting in the way. We understand this is what's frustrating you. You know, if you're trying to um, lose weight and you don't have time to exercise, right? This is what you want. This is what's getting in the way. Here's a plan to help you overcome that. So that, and here's the thing most people forget, the so that. The so that is so important. So that people don't want to lose five pounds. They want to look great in a bikini. So you have to talk about the thing that they really, really want that's probably in their head. Good copywriting says the things that are already in people's heads. Got it. So if I talk about it and stuff that I do, so there's a piece where the mechanics of getting a business, which is valuable, profit generating and all that, as you know, it's not really that thing they want. They want the freedom that a great business provides, be that time freedom or be that financial freedom. Yes. And once, once they go, I want that, then their kind of defenses have come down and then they'll say, how do you do it? Okay. What happens is uh, most companies or, or uh, businesses on their website, they try to tell you everything you're going to get, how we're going to do it. Here's your first step, like all at once. And be like, oh, it's too much. So you have to help people go, oh, I want that. Tell me how you do it. Here's our three-step process, you know, and this is how you get started. And that's how you've got to like move people through a process. Okay. Got it. Can we talk a little bit about, because I think this comes up quite a bit. I love your perspective. The difference between, <clears throat> let's say, that type of process on a website versus mm -hmm. things like a sales funnel. I presume the copywriting piece is, is the same. The thinking is the same. But there's a very different methodology. And the reason I bring it, people ask all the time, do I need a website anymore? Or do I just need a really good story flow on a, on a funnel? What do you think about that? Yeah. So there's definitely a difference between a website and a sales page. Let me start with that. And then I'll talk about the copywriting in there. A website gives your audience lots of potential um, choices to make. Do I want to go read the about page? Do I want to see your process page? Do I want to download your lead generator? There's too many choices on a web page. It's to build your brand awareness. It's to show your authority. It's to give people a little bit more insight about who you are and all the things you do. If you are trying to sell something, you want to remove as many decisions as possible. You want to create a flow that has got very little friction. So friction is something where somebody goes, oh, I don't know what that is. Let me go check it out. Now they're over here, right? Or, oh, he has a blog and now they're off the page. So a website is great for some things. But if you're selling a course, if you're selling a product, if you're selling a webinar, a one-page sales page is what we would call them, has one call to action. It gets repeated many, many times. And that call to action is like a little button. Register now. Schedule a call. Um, and so that copywriting still is the same. At the top, you still want to identify what they want. What is the problem holding them back? What is the solution and why are you the expert to help them with it? How do they get started? Register now. Oh, you need to know that somebody else took the course. Here's a testimonial. Like there's a framework for how this goes. I, I will say this. There is a trend to have sales pages that are like six, seven, eight, nine, like scrolls long. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. My next question to you was I got one from Robin Sharma today. You know, Robin Sharma who wrote the monk who sold his Ferrari and all that. And I, and I, and I was actually having dinner before we were speaking and I was looking at this email because I was thinking about what are we can talk about. And literally it goes on forever. And I was going to ask you, what the hell is with that? Because that feels like a trend from about 20 years ago. What, what's your, oh, are you going to get into it? <sighs> what is that? Does it work? Because I hate it. I, perhaps I didn't used to hate it and I now hate it, but I really don't like it. So here's my guess is you probably said no from the very beginning and yet you tortured yourself by continuing, right? If, if you're a somewhat in the middle, he, here's where one of those works, okay? Where it doesn't work is when you have to go all the way to the bottom to find out how much it costs to register. 
that is like handcuffs. It's sloppy. I think it's very, very poor copywriting and very, very bad practice. If you give people a choice to opt in near the top, in the middle, three quarters of the way down. And so they get enough and they're like, okay, I'm in and they're out. Then they're choosing to continue to scroll. If somebody can't make up their mind and they're like, I need more proof and they can keep scrolling and can keep scrolling. But to me, it comes across as desperate. It comes across as I have to prove myself to you. Um, but because you only have one sales page, you really only have one shot um, and you don't want them to leave the page. I think there's some science behind as longer you stay on the page, the more, the more likely that you are going to register. Um, so I know I've given you, it's not black and white. What's wrong is this is super long and the only choice is you have to scroll all the way to the bottom. That's, that's bad practice. If you give people um, opportunities to opt in along the way, then it's your choice if you keep scrolling, right? Like you didn't need to. It's I, I kind of think I have a different approach to selling, right? So um, I have the concept that needy is creepy, right? So if you have to hard sell anything, you haven't got the, back to what you were saying about the problem solution. I call, I call that product market fit or the killer equation. Yeah. If you're not clear enough on the problem and you haven't then built uh, or influenced um, someone that you can solve that problem to a level which is going to get them the outcome, then, then, you know, if you then have to resort to the idea of like a funnel that's like 25 pages long, I mean, I would love to see data on if it works because it, it, for me, it's a put off, but people still do it. And I kind of wonder if there a lot is some people still time. do it. A lot of people still do it. So I, you know, I have got friends in my, in my network and my mastermind that do it. And I'm like, they sell their stuff. So, you know, we go back and forth. I get on and do a lot of uh, teaching and webinars on copywriting and I get that question a lot. And I'm like, okay, let me make sure I'm very, you know, uh, neutral on this and share, share my thoughts on it. But in story brand here, I'll give you the story brand line. Uh, clear is kind, simple is best. The less words you can use, the better that if you have all of the seven components of the story brand framework, you're fine and you don't need to continue to repeat it. You need two testimonials, not 20. Okay. People don't read testimonials anyway. They just need to know that somebody has bought from you before. So it's going overboard. Instead of having like four icons from clients you work with, you put all 26 and you're like, why did you need all of them? So it's, it's, that is where you can just, all you need is enough of each element for somebody to go, okay, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Great. Love it. Okay. Well, let's, let's, um, one more question on this stuff. So a lot of people here, uh, are probably listening to this and they're thinking, you know what? Oh God, have I got the right website? Have I not? What tips or process or, you know, where do you start? If someone's got that thought in their head, they're going, you know what? I need to rethink this. Where do you start with that? How's that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, oftentimes uh, somebody will say, could you just, I do website checks all the time. If, you know, at the end of this, you go to my website, you click, can I get a free website check? I will give you feedback on your website. I promise. If it's good, I'll tell you. If it's bad, I will tell you. Um, but there are definitely some components that we're looking for. I'll just give you some mistakes. The best mistakes that I can tell you will give you an indication of you're like, uh oh, I'm in trouble. If you have more than one call to action or your call to actions are very vague, like, hey, let's talk or let's connect or contact us. Those are not calls to action. People don't know what's gonna happen when you click that button. And so if people do not have certainty about what's going to happen, they will not click a button. So you're already asking them to jump through too many hoops. You need to have a clear call to action. 
shop now, schedule a call. There's some people that just have the contact us and it's kind of like part of their menu bar. That means you're not being clear about what you want them to do. You have to tell people what to do on your site. Like you're assuming that they're going to figure it out and they won't. They may love you. They may love the product, but if you do not call them to action, it's amazing how people will sit in the inertia and just not make a move, right? Um, the other thing is if you um, have... <laughs> This is a really silly one. If you have pictures that don't really match like what you do or what's going to, it's going to look like as, you know, part of your transformation. I just worked with a, a tax consultant that does uh, tax incentives and tax credits. And on her big picture was pictures of birds everywhere. And I was like, why do you have birds? You're a tax, like you need to show pictures of successful business owners like that look like they're happy because they saved money. Bird, she's like, well, birds are neutral and people love birds. I'm like, ah, so you've got the wrong images. You either have too many images of yourself or not enough. Uh, people also buy people. So Nick, you have a great website in that people go, I like Nick. He looks pretty friendly. I think I could get along with him. What you want to do on your website is paint a picture of what it would be like to work with you so that somebody goes, I already feel comfortable taking the next step. If you have weird, vague pictures, they're all stock photos and they can't really tell who's behind what's going on there. Trust me, they will not move forward. They're going to say it looks good, but there's just something a little uh, hollow about this. Yeah, that makes sense. And the other thing I found also is um, people who don't, I suppose, flex a little bit with what the market or their customers are thinking. So, you know, Let's, let's take the COVID example again, because we're talking about the very beginning, is you might have, you know, people certainly over the last few months haven't gathered together in crowds. So if you're communicating that in your sales page or whatever else, you know, again, your business has got nothing to do with it, but you've got lots of people together. There's a subliminal psychology around that just because people know that that's not what they can do. So I think you're not paying attention. Yeah, mm -hmm. you've, you've got to be relevant, I suppose. And you've got to understand back to your point beforehand, you've got to listen to what's going on. Yeah, cool. yeah. Mm -hmm. I would, I would say that most websites um, overcomplicate things. They try to say too many things. They try to sell all of the, the goods, everything under the hood, their technology, the, all the like secret sauce all at once. And you really need to either pull a lot of that back or put it on a separate page. Do not use your homepage as like a dumping ground to put all the things like you've got to give them a little bit of a teaser for each one that sends them for more information. Great. And I know you've got a free gift for our audience tonight. So I want to ask a question around that as well, because you talk about the sort of killer one liner or the elevator pitch. And I love this because like, I almost call it the um, social pitch. You know, there's a bit where if you go to a party and someone says, what do you do? And you don't want to sit there talking about yourself for 20 minutes. You just want to give them something which gets them thinking. And I have, since we um, did some work together, I've evolved a little bit about what I say. So I now, I now say, if people ask, I say, I work with good companies and I transform them into great ones. Yeah. There's a lot behind that, actually, when you think about it, because I don't just work with businesses that are transform. Uh, sorry, uh, need to be turned around. I, I believe all businesses were good at one point if they've managed to solve a problem or whatever else, but they lose their work. Yeah. So take, yeah. The, take us through the one-liner. Okay. So, you know, it's the, the, what, what I define as the one-liner can be a little... Um, maybe different than most people think of like a tagline or how do you say what you do in one line, which is really great. And I think that's important too. The one liner is actually meant to tell a story in like one and a half lines. It, it's crazy. That it's possible to do this. I'll give you a great example and then I'll walk you through the one liner. 
let's say you're at a dinner party and you're sitting there and you're chatting up a few people and Jane comes up to you and you're like, Jane, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a personal chef. And you're like, oh, that's great. Awesome. And then, then Bob comes up and you're like, Bob, what do you do? And he's like, well, you know how it's really hard for families to cook healthy meals and sit down at the dinner table together. And you're like, oh my God, I have three kids. Yes, of course. He's like, well, I'm a personal chef and I create meals for families so that they can spend more time at the table instead of in the kitchen. Oh my God, who do you think I'm going to talk to? Who do you think just connected with me? Who do I was like, ah, take my money, right? So in one sentence or one and a half sentences, he identified and resonated with me a problem. Now he eyeballed me and probably made a guess, but you know, you've got to have a general idea of what a problem that somebody would face and then your solution. And then you always tack on the, so that in the end, I could picture myself sitting at the table with my kids instead of in the kitchen, cleaning up a mess. Jane is probably a great personal chef, but here's what I know. The best idea doesn't always win. The one that you can communicate the easiest and the simplest is the one that wins. So if you were to look at that example, you know, which one resonates? Well, there's a lot of things that happen there. There's, there's a bit of no like trust, authenticity, rapport, obviously problem statements, you know, so visualize and and it's an emotive statement align with the, the upside, you know, the thing that people want, which is the price. So people say, I'll give you another example and then I'll, I'll just, I'll break it into the three parts. So people say, Lisa, what do you do? I used to say, oh, I'm a copywriter until I realized, first of all, nobody knows what the hell a copywriter is. And they're like, oh, that's good for you. And then I was like, oh, okay, let me back this up. And I'll say, well, a lot of times businesses overwhelm and confuse people with the words on their website. And literally I would see people's faces go white. They're like, oh my God, yes, that's us. I was like, oh, well, I'm a copywriter that simplifies your message and puts amazing words on your website so that you can grow your business and connect with your customers. Now, I know it sounds like slightly kind of like pitchy, but I don't care anymore because people know exactly what I do. And they're like, I need that or I don't need that. And here's here's what you really want at the end of your one liner. Somebody that goes yes or no, or my brother, you know, Joe needs you, but at least they know what you do instead of like, oh, that's interesting or tell me more or how does that work? They're not confused. So one liner starts with the problem. Then you talk about the solution and then you always talk about the benefit or the transformation. Yeah. That's the kind of the three parts. Got it. No, absolutely. I've got that clear with what I say as well. Like I know exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So, you know, the, yeah. the, problem, the problem is always like, you know, someone who's a, a business, which is stalled, you know, a business that's yeah. grown fast and stalled, right? That's, that's the problem statement that I always talk about. And then it's like, okay, so what do you do? Well, we take that company and we transform into a great company. Why? So someone can create freedom, build wealth and live life on their terms. Yep. That's the old, right. that's how it works. And in the end, the, the, what you say in the beginning just causes them to lean in. I'll be honest. They don't care about your solution because they're going to, you're going to finish with the ending, which is so that you can, you're like, Oh, I want that. Yeah. They don't really care about too much in the middle. They will, they'll come back around to it. Um, and so, uh, as you said, we, we, you can download this worksheet I have that helps you like work through each one of those stages, the, those parts of it. And then how do you put it together? And it's super simple, incredibly hard. And you will have to go through some iterations of it because the biggest, the biggest challenge, Nick, is picking the one thing or the one and a half things that you think are the problem. Because if you're a good business person, you'd be like, oh, they have lots of problems. But you're really going to have to uh, narrow it down to one or two main problems. Yeah. And the other part of that is you've also got to nail it down to one 
one avatar or one persona, don't you? Because I think yeah. it becomes difficult if you've got three or four different customers and you might sit there and say, listen, I want to serve them all, but actually that's going to be more, more. You have to do a one-liner for each one. So then you just have to be disciplined to do, to go through that process for each customer and make sure they have their own page that talks about that for them. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, listen, what we'll do is we'll make sure there's a link to that. So it's how to create a sure. killer one-liner or elevator pitch. Uh, and we'll mm -hmm. get a link to your website. I think there'll be a lot of people who are interested in, in playing with that. But as you said, it's challenging, but it's good fun when you get into it as well. Cool. Well, listen, let's talk about let's talk about your business. Let's frame back a bit because I think everyone's got a good understanding. So what, what are you trying to do? What's the biggest challenge you've got right now in your scale-up journey? My biggest challenge is that I'm still involved in the process and I need to remove myself um, as an integral part uh, I'll just walk you through really quickly. When we bring on a client for the copywriting business, I, am, I have identified that I'm very good at bringing in the business, doing that initial discovery call and doing the strategy call to get them like really set up. Mm -hmm. And then my team kind of takes them through the next four steps. You went through that. We got on a call together and then Katie walked you through the rest of it. It used to be me from end to end, right? And then I figured out how to get people through part of it. And then I've got more people through all of this. And so the challenge is how do I even remove, is it possible? So I have to remove, I have to go through that belief. Is it possible? Could a business survive without Lisa? And I honestly, I grapple with that because even my team are like, no, 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 don't go anywhere. Like you have to stay here. I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. I love you guys. And this can grow with, I have to know they can grow on its own. And so the next step for us is to move to a platform base where the clients can come in and actually skip over me and get connected right to an amazing freelancer copywriter that's been vetted, has a process, like is already going to do amazing work. How do I remove myself from this process? Okay. That's actually really easy. And or should I? <laughs> okay. The second part of that, the second question you pose is actually probably the one we'll start with. There are, okay. there are levels, there are levels in business growth and they normally, they normally jump into the bands. So by that, you know, six figures, seven figures, eight figures. And there's a piece that if you're at six figures and you want to get to seven figures, it's hard to divorce yourself from the business when it's still that I call um, a proper scale up stage. So you might mm -hmm. sit there and have the aspiration to say, if I'm making $750,000, um, you know, that's great. That's still, a, that's still called a lifestyle business. Because if you try to value it or anything else like that, you're relatively important to that. And most of the dividend or that is going to be your salary or what you take back in that. Once you get into seven figures, it's slightly different. And the reason for that is you've got so much going on that the expectation of people coming through, it all has to change. It all has to evolve. So I often say that the first opportunity for people to step out of the business and be more strategic is when they're yeah. getting to that level. And it's not just because about the money. It's also about how you manage the expectations. So to give you, give you an example, and this is why I said it's quite an easy answer. The stronger your personal brand becomes, right? And the more that you can use that to build that authority, authenticity, all that trust, mm. the less likely people are going to expect to meet you. In fact, in fact, if they do meet you, it can actually be a little bit of a derailer. Okay. I hear you, you feel this. it. Can you feel it? Yeah. I do. Yeah, because so when when I so StoryBrand was built on Donald Miller, who is a legend now, and he would show up for every workshop. He taught all the workshops. He used to do his own copy, like all the things. Yeah. And now, if you see him in the hall, you're blessed because you know if you're at a training, you're like, oh my god, there's a sighting. And he even he even talks about this on his podcast. He goes, the more people see you, the less your your business is worth 
because they think that you have to be there. And so I'm, I know I'm not famous enough for people like Lisa, is this you on the call? But I would love for it, for it to be like that. Like I actually get to talk to you. So keep going. Yeah, this, you, this you, earn, you earn the right to get that freedom by, by again, the consistency and, and, the, and the, uh, the discipline to some extent around how you build your personal brand. So I'll tell you what happens with me sometimes. And I, and I still do jump on lots of calls and I try and help people as much as possible. But it's getting to a point now because the podcast in its own right has grown and everything else like that that if I do jump on a call, people are kind of like, oh my God, am I speaking to you? You know, they don't, they don't expect it. So the way to do it is this. So as you've started, you're building, you're building some online programs, you're building a, let's call it a virtual um, presence of you. And, mm -hmm. and all of that authenticity and trust is gonna come from people having enough exposure. The general rule is eight hours. Eight hours at least. Okay. Uh, in whatever format. And usually that's a book. It's a podcast, it's a YouTube series, it's a number of different things, but you are the person who's providing that value. When they then wanna make a, a step to work with you because you've done exactly what you've articulated for this, this um, conversation, then yeah. the expectation is that they're not gonna to speak to you. The expectation is that you've mm -hmm. presented the vision of this amazing world and you can solve their problem. And also you'll start to nuance into your communication style, the fact that it's a bigger entity, like what Donald Miller yes. does now. Yes. And then people aren't buying into you individually. They're buying into the world, the process, the, the yeah. dream of what your company can do. That's what Branson does. It's what Elon Musk does. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're on the you know, I've been building, I've been building a brand for the last year, heavily investing in it. Um, more on the coaching side of things, but because it's copywriter coach, it really kind of goes across both sides. Um, I'm intentionally holding on to that because I coach clients on how, how to do their copywriting or doing it for them. So if I continue on that and double down as the expert in this field, then it makes sense that I would get an expert team. We'd have our processes right. that people would flow through it. Maybe they get to talk to me on the discovery call. You know, maybe that's the next step is I'm not even in the strategy call, but I'm still at the front end of the business call Yeah, and until I'm closer to the seven figures. That's exactly right. And I think it's, it comes back to, it, it's actually driven by how prolific you become under the personal brand. Because the second part to it is you build your product ecosystem or product and service ecosystem aligned with the growth of your brands. So what that effectively okay. means is, you know, let's say the most premium product in your ecosystem is a one-to-one -one coaching session with you, or it's a retreat, or it's something where you, you, you build up everything before it so that it's positioned as the premium product, if that makes sense. Got it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, people, got and it. people then absolutely understand that that's the process too. Yes. Yeah. The value is already baked into it. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because uh, you make it part of the story. It's, it's what we call in, in my world, which will be similar to yours. It's what we call the, the customer journey built around a product mm -hmm. ecosystem with a key person of influence with a strong personal brand at the front and center of that strategy. Got it. So you do? Love it. Okay. Simple. I'm on the right path. I'm on the right path. <laughs> You're yes, on the right path. It. You are. And you've got a great proposition. Again, you know, for everyone listening here, yeah, there was a little bit of there's a little bit of kind of you know Lisa's on a journey like we're all on a journey, right? So this is cool. So the good thing about these interviews is everyone is somewhere, right? And we've heard a great story mm -hmm. of success, particularly the last few months, but not just that. But we've also mm -hmm. just heard a story of someone who's got somewhere else to go. So that's useful, I think, for people to hear that as much as anything else.
Well, and I, because I coach brand new freelancers that are either like just starting hustling part-time, full-time hustling, thriving and, and growing a team. I just did my own webinar on the four stages of scaling and it made me laugh because I was like, oh, Nick could probably do this in his sleep. And I was like, you know what? No, I know how the very nuances of a freelancer and how you go from a mindset of like kind of a nobody at the end of your kitchen table to building a team and how you have to continue to shift through that. And I told the, I told everybody, I said, listen, just because I'm at level four now, I'm actually moving to stage five. I have the exact same struggles just at a different level. And so it's never going to end if I continue to grow. Just know that I still wake up with fear and uncertainty and all the things that you do. It's just at a different scale. And so do I. And, so do I. and some people don't believe that, but there's a point where, you know, we're trying to buy two, two separate businesses to add to our portfolio of seven. So we could have nine by the end of next week. Um, and that starts to become scary because even though I'm pretty good at understanding what, how to manage businesses remotely, there's always another level. There's always. Sure. Another level. So, yeah. So, and on that point, cause I, cause I think it's important to kind of, I suppose, finish a little bit with this is there are a lot of people who, who probably listen to this and they might've lost jobs or they're in jobs that they don't like and things have changed so much recently. And they're thinking, you know what, I just want to do something different because I think your message and correct me if I'm wrong, your message is obviously about you know what you do but it's there's a lot in there about just how do you become a freelancer how do you how do you do that as well isn't there so so what other kind of do you have any messages any last thoughts for people who are thinking about that they're thinking about your world of copywriting they're thinking of becoming their own business yeah like it's so funny because like again there's there's we've talked about you know how you improve your business and your website for your copywriting that's awesome i'll talk about that all day long my heart is to really help freelancers. Um, mine is a little bit more of like, how do you get somebody who's already decided to do it and feels like it's going to be a grind and a hustle for the rest of their life, how to actually transition to thriving and to growing. But let me answer the question about getting started. Because we all know now that we can all work from home. And did you know that there are many, many freelancer platforms out there? I'm so surprised that people don't know that this is there. If you think of eBay, where you have a product you want to sell and somebody bids on it and you've got multiple people bidding on your product, think about eBay, but for jobs, short-term little jobs. I need a blog written. I need my website design. I need this. And so they will post the job that they need done and freelancers will bid on it. I'll do it for $50 an hour. I'll do it for 2000, you know, as a project. Uh, there's platforms out there. The one I use happens to be Upwork and um, it's a devil I hate, but a devil I know. And I do not wish I was on there, but it has built a six figure, multiple six figure business for me. So um, I know a lot of times people think, oh, I'm not going to compete with people overseas or I'm not going to pay you work for peanuts. All of that. There's so much when I work with freelancers that it's all about their mindset. I'm like, good, stay off it more for me, right? Like if you're going to go into it negative or already be like, oh, I'm above that, that's fine. But if you actually can learn to work the system or here's the biggest challenge, Nick, is that people are good at writing or researching or photography, but they don't like the work to get the clients, right? They're not disciplined to create a sales funnel. Like how do you even find a lead and what do you say and how do you write a proposal? And all of that part is so overwhelming for some people that they can't even get started. And so that is, that is what I coach people on, not copywriting. Actually, I don't tell anybody how to copyright. I tell them how to get right to the point where they get to do the work they love to do. And how do you make that easy? And how do you change your mindset on it? So just, you know, with two minutes to say, figure out what you love doing, figure out what you can do at the end of your kitchen table with a laptop, 
jump on LinkedIn or Instagram and tell people, hey, I do this. Be willing to get paid a little bit less than what you think you're worth to get started. Make sure you think about it in a long term where you get testimonials and you build a little bit of a portfolio and then just give yourself some time. It's this exponential, it's like anything. It's this exponential, you're like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, they compound, the jobs compound on each other and your portfolio starts to sell itself. And right now I'm the number one copywriter on Upwork. And it's just because I had my head down, just kept working little projects at a time. And so you don't have to be a superstar to like kill it out there. You just, you have to, you just have to work hard and stay consistent. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm going to finish it there because you know what, the worst, <laughs> the worst thing about this conversation, Lisa, is it's just kind of reiterated so many of the things I say. <laughs> the, reason Good. I, the reason I say it's the worst thing is because kind of people are going to be thinking, Oh, that sounds like these guys have been talking about it before. But honestly, that whole, that what you just said, that last bit, right. About finding the seed, uh, compound interest, all of a sudden, you know, you forgot you planted the seed to some extent, and then there's a tree. What the hell happens? But that is the I A hundred gazillion percent, but it works with weight loss. It works with lifting. It works with relate. It just, it, it's, it's the slight edge. It's the slight edge principle that, you know, um, most people will give up. I say this to people who are doing anything like that. They get started, they get a couple wins under the belt. They think, oh, I'm all right. This is it. It's going to continue to go. And it doesn't. And so they drop out and I'm like, you missed, you missed the hockey stick. You know, it's the proverbial hockey stick. All right, I'm going to give you one last question because you're going to be very okay. generous with your time. It's been a great conversation. I knew it would be. What is, what is, and this is kind of, I want people to listen. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given in your life, but in relation to business, but that's really made a transformation for you? I think not being connected. Let me put it this way. Disconnecting from the outcome, not having to move forward because you have certainty of the outcome. That has been so freeing for me to know you can have a vision, you can have a goal, you can have the work you do, but not be married to the outcome. Because in every situation, the outcome has been better and a little bit different. I never thought I'd be in this position today, right? And what happens is when we fix ourselves on a determined outcome, then our brain only travels on that path and we miss all the opportunities that are around it. So you have to decide to be focused on your process, on what you do every day and not what it's gonna turn out like. And that is scary as hell, because you're like, yeah, what? But knowing that if you do the work in the meantime, it should be better than you could have even imagined. And I have imagined some amazing things and yet still. So not being married to the outcome, I Love guess, it. has been Love very it. free. That's so powerful. And you know what? It's also kind of like the whole idea about enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the journey. Yeah. Because, you know, again, if you focus on what you can do every single day, every single week, the kind of outcome to some extent, as long as you're doing the work and staying consistent, all that takes care of itself. Awesome. Well, listen, Lisa Cumes, where can we find you? Because um, I'm sure people want to reach out and connect on this, particularly people who want to know how to you know, change their websites and improve all that. Not to mention. There's a couple. Sim SimpleStorySolutions.com is the copywriting side of things. We do websites, emails, lead generators, all with the story brand framework. Uh, the copywriter coach.co is where I do all things freelancing. I've got a course in coaching and, um, or on Instagram, Lisa Coombs. 
I like have, I have aligned both of these and they mangled them both together. And so at the moment I'm giving away so much like free stuff until I can figure out how to monetize it. So right now is a good time <laughs> to just like to soak in all the goodness until I'm smart enough to figure out how to package it up. But right now I do believe in, in giving, um, it has come back to me a hundredfold. So I will continue to do that for a while. Awesome. Well, listen, Lisa, excellent having you on scale up your business. You've given a lot of value to the listeners today. But thank you very much. How much fun. Thank you, Nick. I'm super, super happy to be here.